Hey you guys, I'm Travis Doe, your host of the Bow Rush Podcast, and you're listening to episode number 42. This episode, Scott and I decided we wanted to be really quick and do a short show going over what has happened this last weekend for my success on Two Deer. And though it was a success, there was some failures, and I'll explain that in the show. But so we kind of did more of a Q&A, you know, being that the season is starting to open up all around. There are going to be times when success is not always what it means. Just because you can harvest an animal and just because it was a lethal shot doesn't mean you took the best shot. And we'll talk about that in the show. And it's really good. I, I, I think the episode really does resonate with a lot of people because some people are going to hit the same type of situation I was dealt with. I'll be honest. I have no ego when it comes to hunting. I love learning. I love taking on challenges. And I know when I mess up, I own up to it. This wasn't a full-blown failure but it was a failure based on my own personal belief. And so I share that in this episode. I hope that you can learn from some of my mistakes. Again, this it was successful, but there were some things that could have been done better. And we go over that on this show. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get it going. You know, kind of kind of starting, starting it off, one thing we, we always talk about, and you know, we've had a number of guests come on, um, dealing with this you know a lot of the the guys out west this is something that you know that they deal with every time they hunt they they train for it it's something that is kind of ingrained into how they hunt and it comes down to endurance they, they spend all this time getting up to the top of a mountain glassing spending you know hours and hours glassing and trying to find an animal um so there's a kind of a mental fatigue that goes on there but then it comes down to a point when you know, they spot an animal that they, they want to go and try and make a stock on and, and try and go harvest. So they, they go from a, a stagnant state of just sitting there for hours and hours to go time where, you know, they're going to try and close a distance of, you know, 300 yards or, or a distance of, you know, a mile. And, and they have to do it relatively quickly and, and, and precisely to have a chance to harvest the animal. So they go through this tremendous, you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, uh, you know, an hour of trying to get to a spot in high intensity, quick paced, um, while still trying to be careful and mindful of where the animal is, um, all for a chance to, to take a shot. By the, by the time they get through that, you know, 45 minutes or an hour plus of stocking, they really have tested their body in the endurance side, um, trying to control their breathing, get their heart rate back down you know, get their muscle, muscles relaxed so they can take an ethical shot. And, you know, that's something that this weekend, I think, you know, maybe not to that extreme of an extent or actually maybe so because of what you did. Um, but you, it's something that really tested you and something you found out kind of firsthand was sh- taking a shot at an animal after uh, really wearing yourself down um, physically, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll step it up of what happened the day before I went hunting on Sunday. So yeah. for 
I guess for a few weeks, um, I've been training for a savage race, and it's not the extreme hunt or type of obstacle racing, but it's a fun event. It does take a lot of exertion. You have a lot of upper body strength, and a lot of lower body strength to complete this, and we did it in a group effort, but still was a lot of exertion, a lot of energy throughout the day on a Saturday, and it was during the hottest point of the day. In fact, I think when we started, it was 101 degrees. So oh, wow. that there wasn't a lot of water stations, and uh, it was rough. I will, I won't uh, lie about it. At the end of the day, I was dead tired to the world. But the very next day, I needed to go hunting. Uh, completely excited about it, and was successful. I'll just put it that way. I was successful, but I wasn't to the success of the way I wish I had been. And it came down to, I was able to get a doe and a buck. And the doe, what, both of them were a decent size. The buck wasn't anything you want to write home about, but still was decent enough to be qualified as a buck. And, uh, but looking about how the shots were made, looking at how far they ran, which they didn't run far. The doe didn't run far. It actually took a step back, flipped over it, and died. I got lucky, and I'll explain that later. And then the buck... I was on the ground. I happened to see it. I took a shot, and um, he ran off about 30 yards, flipped over, and he died. He, he expired. So they weren't bad, so to speak, shots, but I got lucky. And at first, I was going through my head, and I started – I did a rookie move. I was blaming my bow. I said, man, my bow must be uh, kinked because I realized how the shops were made. And it all happened to be – the, uh, the doe itself, I shot it in the neck. I didn't shoot towards the neck. I was aiming and placing my pin right around the inner pit of the shoulder. But when I released, that's not where I ended up hitting. I hit hitting the lower neck area and it busted through the eye. It died instantly. I hit a major artery. I got very lucky. And that, that doesn't, even though it died quickly, it doesn't make me feel any better because any slight chance it could have been wounded and ran off and died slowly. So I took what I thought was a good shot, ended up being a bad shot, but got lucky. And mm -hmm. um, then when it came to the buck, I took what I felt was a good shot. And it was, it was a high shoulder. It hit high lung and it busted out towards the side, but it didn't run very far and it died pretty quickly. But still, I, that's, where it ended up hitting is not exactly where I aimed. And that evening, I had a lot of time to think about what played out through that day, that evening, through those two shots. And first, it was the first foremost, I blamed my bow, and I realized it wasn't the bow. Um, I got down to realizing that I was fatigued. And that seems like an odd situation, like a fatigue, what's the big deal? But the thing is, I've been training. I have been training. My groupings outside when I go and practice shooting the bow are solid, 20, 30, 40 yards. I'm doing you know quarter size, nickel size to uh, silver dollar between 40 yards up. And that's deadly lethal shots. And my groupings are very good. Mm -hmm. But, and I do CrossFit and I do a lot of exertion. I'm running and training for that race. The one thing I did not do, and this is where you made a good point about the people out West, they're always 
going into a high altitude. They're training for those moments. They're doing all these things and they're prepping for the shots and they're used to that. And even though I've been training for these other elements in my life and I've trained for shooting my bow and I have great groupings, I never did it together. together. And that was a major game changer for me for realizing even though I was successful, I messed up. And I'm owning up to it because I feel like there's you always need to learn and I'm learning every day. And so this was a very successful weekend, but I could have done better. And one of the things I realized is that even though I'm training, I'm I didn't on the preseason train for this type of a situation, exerting myself to an extreme level the day before during the hunt, even though I wasn't uh, backpacking out west, I wasn't on high altitude, I was in a tree, but I didn't have a lot of nutrition that day. I didn't uh, have a lot of, uh, I wasn't, I was, yeah, I was dehydrated, so to speak. So that right there has a play on how I performed and it, it showed. I got lucky and that's exactly how it ends up being. I was just that, I was lucky. So what are you gonna do going forward? Is there, is there are you gonna go and do another uh, do another one of the events and right afterwards rush home and shoot are you going to go run a couple miles and and come back to the house and and shoot in the backyard how is that going to help you on the next go around a few months back you actually came up with a really good idea and i think uh, for myself i I want to try this out uh, Mm -hmm. because i've been getting into crossfit thanks to you by the way um again beating my my (laughs) you keep uh getting me into things it's crazy i have spent so much money because of your thoughts and enthusiasm of other things so thanks a lot (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah um we were talking about doing some sort of wad um, and for someone that doesn't know what that means, but like workout of the day, but uh, a wad form, and then through that, do intermittent uh, shooting during the time so we can practice in between. Um, mm-hmm. I've never done it, and I think it's a great idea. Now, that's probably a extreme level because obviously I want to work up to that, but I would like to think maybe do run a mile, run a mile or two miles and come back. And before I have a chance to let my body uh, rest and recoup and let my heart rate drop, pick up the bow and start shooting. Well, that's using my heart rates up. I am definitely fatigued and tired. That's going to be great, but I didn't use my arm. So maybe I should possibly do some push-ups and work my way up to doing like a full wad and in the same process, start shooting my bow at the same time. And I think I can do that even now on before I do go hunting, not the same day, but during the week and prep Mm -hmm. myself, start building up that muscle memory and the fatigue process and try to cut that down. So, obviously, you were you were physically fatigued. You you did the event the day before. You know, really didn't rehydrate. You know, the way you probably should have. You didn't, you know, get nutrition back in your body the the, the way that you typically would um, because of the time constraints and you trying to get out in the woods and get set up. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any mental fatigue as well? Yeah. Um, when you know, if you're sitting in the woods and you're in a tree. You daze off a lot. I mean, you don't necessarily have to fall asleep, but you just start almost like daydreaming. You start thinking you're hearing things. You start seeing things. Um, And then you start contemplating just ideas. But for the idea of mental fatigue, I really do think that there was probably some mental fatigue when it came to uh, where I was shooting, the time it was. It was getting late. There's a lot involved. But with everything going rundling in my head, I didn't really... I do know that I, I wasn't properly setting myself up for success and 
Uh, I mean, I went in it thinking I'm just going hunting because I wanted to get out there. That was my first thought. I only have so many days to go hunting, so I'm going to take every advantage. But I didn't listen to myself and I didn't listen to my body going in. I should have done that beforehand. And that was an assessment that I just, I skipped. And that's a, a failure on my part. Uh, again, I was lucky, but it's still a failure. And uh, yeah, I think a mental part of that did come into play as I wasn't thinking about what I did to myself the day before and what I'm actually trying to do that day. I was just going, at, I'm going to go hunt. And I didn't think of the best alternatives. Yeah, we always think about, you know, a, a extreme mental or physical fatigue and how it affects, you know, those long shots, those, you know, 50, 70 plus yard shots when, when really it, it affects every shot you're going to take if you've drained your body down to, to the point of exhaustion. You know, it, it makes those 20-yard shots a, a little bit more difficult and you, you may zone out a little bit on, on those shorter shots just because almost a 20-yard shot is, is, is a cakewalk, right? On a, any so given day, get, yeah. Oh, yeah, on any given day, 20-yard shot. So even if you're mentally or physically fatigued, your thought process is still it's a 20 yard shot. I mean, come on, I, I can, I can do this in my sleep, you know, and you, if you're physically and mentally fatigued as much as you're, you, you know, that's a chip shot, it, it still comes into play and, and you still, you know, are off the mark or you, 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 you miss the shot left or right up and down a little bit because of that mental fatigue. A chip shot is no longer a chip shot when you're just absolutely, you know, exhausted like that. Oh yeah. And, and to think about, uh, I've I feel like I've I've done very well over the years of hunting. I've had great shots and to consider myself a I think I'm a fairly decent hunter. I wouldn't say I'm an amazing hunter, but I feel like I can hold my own. And uh but looking at what I love about this is that you get to learn and if you do fail, you're you're at least learning in a better way because you're learning by being out there and learning it the hard way. I'm failing, but I'm also going to learn because of this. And you know, people say, "Well, if you ever came out and go, you know, I would have never had that issue. I can handle myself." Great. You weren't in my situation, and there's I'm sure that there's points in your time that you were in that type of situation. You maybe took a shot, and maybe you got lucky, and it could have been a perfect shot. But sometimes you might need to reassess the whole outcome. Was it really the best shot? You might have just got lucky. And I think that's what I need to play on for every time you go hunt myself. I need to keep assessing and make sure that what I'm doing, if I'm actually doing it ethically, and I felt I did, but obviously I'm learning. And that's what I love about this is because I'm going out there enough. I am failing, but I'm also succeeding because next time around, I'm going to think about this. With hunting in general and, you know, primarily archery, obviously, because that's what we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, every time you get in the woods and you draw your bow back, it, it's a learning opportunity. Um, and it's it's how much you learn from that opportunity. Do you, do you make a change? And like you were saying, even you may have the perfect scenario, you may make the perfect shot. Uh, but there's something you might have done that you could have done better. And if you learn from it and you change that, you know, you become a little bit more effective and a better hunter. And you keep learning and keep learning and getting better and growing. And, and that's really what, you know, this is a great example of is you, you got in the woods. You really, time constraints were really tight. You, you made sure you're out there. You got up there. You were patient. And you were successful. You, you harvested some animals. And so in, in that regards, you know, 
the hunt was successful. But even with the shot placement on the buck, you, you recognize that the shot placement was definitely definitely a lethal shot, and the animal didn't run very far. Looking at the shot, you, you recognize, you know, I, I got an issue with this. How can I? What did I do to take this kind of shot? How can I improve that? And the the growth of, you know, it's got to be my bow. To you waking up the next day and, and then shooting your bow and realizing, nope, my bow is flat on, and then taking the time to think back through the scenario of what what could have caused it or what happened and realizing, you know, endurance. I've got to improve that because that's what caused me to, while well, be successful, get a little lucky at the same time. So, you know, as long as you learn and you grow from every hunt, you're, doing the, you're going the right way. And that's oh, yeah. what I don't want people to get discouraged over is, you know, you can't have ego when it comes to hunting. You got to be willing to be humble at mm-hmm. what's going on and learn from the mistakes. Bow hunting will absolutely humble you. Oh yeah, because <laughs> you're you're gonna take a bad shot at some point. It's it's gonna happen. As much as I I want to sit here and say everyone, you know, I, I hope everyone takes the perfect shot every time and doesn't risk any shot. It's gonna happen, and it's just learning from that on. You know, was it a bad shot on my part? Should I not have taken that? Or was there something that led to it being a bad shot after it left left my bow? Did I, did I hit a branch? You know, did I not judge for something? Did I misjudge the distance? But it's learning from that so, that, you know, the next time you can, you can be a little bit more exact on taking an ethical shot. You know, but bow, hunting, bow hunting will absolutely humble you because even when you take the most perfect shot, perfect scenario incredibly ethical shot a a deer is a living animal with a lot of adrenaline and you can drill that thing in the heart and it is going to run sometimes and it's going to keep running and especially down here we deal with so many swamp bottoms and thickets trying to find a deer after you make a perfect shot is not always easy and you just got to stick with it so um bow hunting will humble you just learn learn from the lessons that do humble you yeah, I think the, uh, the lesson I learned especially is that you can work out all you want, you can shoot all you want, but if you're wanting to be an effective bow hunter and when you think that you're training for it, you might want to start thinking about applying hunting and workouts and try to do it together before the hunting season starts. And if now obviously there's people it's not like it's over. I mean, hunting season's in and people are like, well, I'll just do this next year during the off season. No, you can still do it now because I'm going to start implementing this now. And just because the season has started, I'm not just going to wait and then start training next year for this type of situation. I'm going to train for it now. So if I'm in this predicament, I have a better option, either one to know maybe I shouldn't take the shot or maybe I shouldn't go hunting and you know and be able to let my body rest or if i'm trained well enough then maybe i know that if i'm in that spot i might have a better opportunity and i feel like i won't be as fatigued so you know your limits a little bit more when you test them right i mean i've i know i've definitely been working out and i've definitely i do have the exertion the energy to be able to do stuff but i've never combined them and that's yeah. two totally different perspectives. Yeah, if you haven't oh, done yeah. it, then once you do it, you're going to know. And I haven't actually done it both together, so I've never actually truly know. That's a, the idea of the train to be, or what was it called? Train to hunt. You know, they have those races and the shooting. I think it's such a great idea. I've never done it. 
And now I understand why so many people train so hard. Just even for the obstacle race, it's not even for the hunting, but the hunting side is this trains them for hunting, the idea of train to hunt. And um, so it, the concept makes sense. I just never applied them together. Yeah. Well, we we had uh, we got time to do it still. You know, we got plenty of hunting season. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it's fun if you want to. I mean, you experienced it, so you know other people that maybe haven't. If you think you're a phenomenal shot, you know you have everything dialed in. Go run a mile, come back and do twenty or thirty push-ups. Tell you tell you can't do any push-ups anymore. More more if it's more than twenty or thirty, um, and then pick up your bow and shoot right away. You you'll be amazed at you know how much more focused you're trying to have to be for your shot than than normal because you're gonna your muscles are gonna be tired they're gonna be you know wanting to collapse a little bit on you and it takes a lot more focus and it, it's it's fun just go try it and you'll you'll get a new feeling out of it. Now on a side note, though I did kill the the doe and it did uh, hit the artery uh, right in the artery. Um, right to the neck, it flipped back. I've never seen a doe, a deer, in a real life at the time. I've seen it on television and YouTube and videos, but never personally seen a doe flip backward and land on its back and expire immediately. So in the hindsight, that was interesting because I've seen tons of videos like that, but I've never seen it personally. Uh, it's a totally different experience instead of seeing them just run off. But, uh, yeah, I, I, very short tracking job. Yeah. I, I literally got down and I walked right up to it. Uh, it was, it's different. It's, I'll tell you that it's definitely different. Well, you know, it, well, it may not have been the exact success that you're looking for. You're still successful. You still have, you know, meat in the freezer. Um, so congratulations, you know, and something you get to learn and learn from, from this experience. So twofold, you know, it, was, it seems like this was a successful hunt for me, man. Yeah. Well, the one thing I do feel that I did the right decision on was, you know, two years ago, you and I got into the idea of processing our own meat. And there's a whole reason for it. We've had a couple of podcasts about it, but I really do enjoy that process, not only uh, field dressing, but butchering it and going from that to actually eating it. I did the whole process. Well, what I felt good about this was, yes, it was late evening when we uh, pulled the dough and the, the buck out. We put it in my truck, and it was hot. It was a very hot day, and I was just by myself. I knew, based on the time and how long it was going to take to fill dress the deer, to hang it up, to butcher it, all this stuff was going to take way too long, and the meat was just going to be out, exposed to the environment. Um, and I didn't want that. I didn't want to put too much time on the meat being open and exposed. So even though in my gut I wanted to do the whole process myself, I felt like the best choice was taking it to a processor that they could immediately butcher it up and or at least skin it off and put it in a freezer where it would have taken me well over an hour to do both because I'm very slow at it even though I'm getting new I'm, I'm I'm learning I'm getting better at it I'm slow and um but I felt like what at least I did there was I I made sure that those the buck and the dough was put in the freezer so I can have the best meat possible there you go well congratulations bud Thank you. When are you getting back out? Uh, next weekend. So the weather's finally starting to cool down. Uh, both the other guys on the lease that were down there uh, throughout this last week, uh, we have a ton of deer, ton of deer 
um, a lot of does, but at the same point, all of the, the bigger bucks that we had on, on camera all throughout the, the off season and, and leading up to season and even, you know, first week, first week of bow, um, they disappeared for about a week and a half. We had zero pictures of them and they're back, they're back on the property now. They're nice. nocturnal for the most part, but, uh, all of our food plots are coming in. We've got, you know, a couple of solid rainstorms that came through to really help help the uh, the foods the food plots grow grow in a little better, and does are running all over the food plot when with the amount of does we have out and seeing the bucks back on on camera even though at night uh, it it's boating really well for um, for this this cold weather that's coming in we should definitely see the bucks move a little bit more you know right towards uh, right towards um, the sun going down and then and then probably try and catch them getting back to their beds right when the sun's coming up so nice i'm excited it's it, it should be a good season we'll just uh get down there and spend some time in the woods very cool well uh, hopefully you'll be successful soon and we'll all have some meat in the fridge heck yeah i'll let you know man well man glad we uh were able to talk this out i think honestly i do believe there's probably people out there that have had the same situation and if they haven't this is a good learning experience that i went through that hopefully someone else can learn from as well absolutely man you know it, we can all learn from from each other's uh experiences if we don't listen to each other then we you know we're, we're doomed to make the mistakes ourselves so you know hopefully someone out there can learn from it and, and you know doesn't make doesn't make this the same mistake or have the have to go through the same torment of trying to figure out what happened. Um, they can learn from it beforehand. So, you know, it's, it's always good to share stories, good, bad, and different. You know, that's what, that's what hunting is. And it's just sharing stories between everyone and, and getting better, you know, as a group of hunters. Absolutely. Well, awesome, man. I guess that is it. Sounds good, bud. Enjoy your night. All right. You too. All right. Yeah. Take care. So guys, as you noticed, it wasn't a complete failure. I'm putting the words failure as in I could learn from this. I trained. I was doing physical activities for months and months and months. I've been outside and shooting my bow and having very good, solid groupings. The problem I have realized is that I didn't do those two things together. And yes, that does take into consideration about how my hunt went. I think that overexerting myself the day beforehand did play a major role in how I actually took my shot, how successful I was, um, and the providing or producing a proper shot towards these two animals. And even though they were successful, they did go down, it could have been done better, and it happens. I know that you've had that experience at least once in your life. And if you, ha you say you haven't, you're kidding yourself. And I have to say, I give my hat to the ones that hunt out west, up in the mountains, high altitude, going after these type of games, bow hunting. So you have to be closer. It takes more energy. It takes mental awareness. It takes mental strength and physical strength to do all these things and also have the ability to take clear, focus, precise shots. The people that do that, I completely give you a lot of credit because you train to do that. You know how I say ego doesn't come into play when you're a hunter? There are some people that have ego. I am not one of them. I am more than happy to say what I need help with. This is something that I know I can do. And I have spoken to many people that train. I've spoken to many people that shoot really well. I know that they do this all the time and they combine them together. I've just never done that. 
And so with everything when it comes into nutrition, eating well, physical activities to strengthen my conditioning, all those things I do, I think, pretty efficiently. And now I'm going to ensure that I also add on shooting my bow when my heart rate is at a high level and I am being fatigued during the day and try to keep those groupings as accurate as when I am fully capable, focus is completely 100% and not fatigued at all. So if I can can balance those two and make it even better, that's just gonna make me a stronger hunter. And if you're in that same type of situation, that's gonna make you a stronger hunter. Think about it. You don't have to join a CrossFit gym to do that. Like Scott and I were talking about, you could do a run, a walk, get your heart rate up, do some push-ups, sit-ups, something to build that heart rate. Gets where you are now becoming a little fatigued and start shooting your bow. If you haven't done it before, again, I've never done two together. It's gonna be different. And I hope I learn some more skill sets with this practice. I think that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Travis Stowe, your host of the Bowers Podcast, and Scott and I will see you on our next episode coming soon. I'm out of here.